Hi, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Sharif Moore of the Drug-Free America Foundation. This is the Pathways to Prevention podcast, where we discuss some of the most innovative and inspiring work being done around the world in substance use prevention, treatment, and recovery. Join us today is Dechen Choden, a program officer with the Drug Advisory Program of the Colombo Plan based in Colombo, Sri Lanka. Dechen was recently part of an effort to train Afghan teachers in the universal prevention curriculum for substance use. Welcome to the podcast, Dechen, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Sherry, for having me. So before we get into your project in Afghanistan, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved uh, with drug demand reduction work? I'm a high school teacher by profession. Uh, I'm also a youth counselor. Um, My interest in, I wouldn't say my interest in drug demand reduction, but there was a show that I watched when I was quite young, must have been like 10 years old, and it was about drug use. And the show was quite fascinating. Um, It stayed with me for quite a while. And then when I was in my high school, that was the first time I actually saw people who were using drugs. And um, again, I found it really fascinating that, you know, there was certain group of people, um, you know, who were using it. And then there's this large group of people who are not using it. And then I also felt like there's something wrong there because no one was talking to this young people. So my interest was really to become a youth counselor because in most societies, uh, children are to be seen, not heard. You know, we don't uh, talk to the children. And I think for me, that was really important because when I had my personal issues as well, I was, I, I felt like there wasn't really an adult that I could talk to. And that's when the idea of becoming a youth counselor started. And that's how I got involved finally in drug demand reduction. But um, I think eventually it came together. My, my interest in like, you know, looking at people using drugs or uh, substances and then wanting to become a youth counselor. So that, that's how the whole thing started with drug demand reduction. Now, where did you grow up, Dijin? Um, in Bhutan. Wow, Bhutan, the true authentic Shangri-La. Yeah. <laughs> so even in a country such as Bhutan, which has always been thought of as somewhat reclusive, uh, perhaps this is changing, uh, but it's, it's certainly been a bit isolated due to its geography you're being in the midst of the the Himalayan mountain range, so but even there, drugs have have penetrated uh, the society. Yes, I think I would say it's mostly pharmaceutical drugs. Um, there's cannabis as well, and uh, there's some plants. I think it's called datura or something like that that you know people have started using but it's mostly pharmaceutical drugs that that comes through you know because we share a very porous border with India so it's very easy I'm not aware of any major like you know opium use um, like heroin and cocaine and all that but yeah it's mostly like pharmaceutical drugs that comes through interesting so, so please tell us about uh, your fascinating project in Afghanistan to train teachers 
in the UPC Universal Prevention Curriculum? So this project, it's called the Preventive Drug Education Project. It's for the schools of Afghanistan. So we not only work with teachers, um, we also work with young people in Afghanistan, the, this particular project. So it was initially, it was started as a small project in, in Afghanistan to train teachers um, in, in um, substance use prevention. So it was more like you know, training them life skills, which in turn they could teach their students. But in 2010, that's when the the big project started. And then we were developing our own lesson plans as well. So then we moved on to like, you know, we have our lesson plans, which are being taught in the school schools. And then we train the teachers and we now uh, moved on to UPC. So before the pandemic hit us, we were, we had started training the teachers, like, you know, we we had about eight training or so um, in, in Afghanistan, 10 training, 10 training before the pandemic hit. So what we were planning to do at that point, like which we were supposed to do in 2020, we were supposed to go to schools, into provinces, and then like, you know, uh, train more number of teachers in, in different provinces and the pandemic hit us. And then we just thought like, how do we continue this online? Um, how do we do this now going forward? So that's how we started, um, you know, planning to conduct this training online. And then um, we have a wonderful team in Afghanistan. Uh, we have uh, four Afghans working on this project in Afghanistan. Uh, they're based in Afghanistan. So they were very quick as well. So we were very quick in like, you know, developing the material, putting it online, recording the lectures, videos, how do we go about it? And then we started uh, taking advantage of the technology. Actually, we had like WhatsApp, you know, uh, communicating with the participants. We used Zoom, Google Meet, everything that was at our disposal. Uh, we used um, all of them. And um Initially, I think like, you know, we just wanted to try with a small number of people. So the first group we had was very small. We had only 10 people and that's how we started. And the group kept growing after that. And um, that initial group was teachers. Yeah, all teachers. I think after we had like two youth groups, we trained two groups of young people also online, but all everyone was um, the rest were all teachers. I'm 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 sure um, there have been quite a few technical challenges in in reaching all areas of the country, especially rural areas. Yes, um, initially we were quite excited because the prospect of like you know really expanding our program in places that uh, we were unable to go for the last few years because of the security situation in Afghanistan. Um, extremely excited. Um, so we finished our first training. Um, all of them came from Kabul. So we had the second batch of training. And that's uh, when we realized that, yeah, we were excited for ourselves, but not really for the teachers that we were working with because uh, during one of the training, the name was actually the name of a man and then the voice was a female voice. And then we happened to ask like, how come? And then we found out that she had borrowed 
the device from a family member. So that's when we started asking the teachers and then we did realize that, you know, there were a lot of um, um, challenges for the teachers, not for us, but for the teachers who didn't have uh, access to technology basically and also the internet and we were paying for internet uh, the whole of last year for all the teachers who attended the training but then we some of the teachers even if we paid them they had to actually leave their um, you know they have to go from their village to another town just to mm-hmm. get the content not even to buy but just to have wi-fi connection so wow. those challenges and then for us I think um, for me and my team this is a huge concern because we are moving so fast with the online training and everyone is excited oh look we can do this online we are converting everything online but what about all these people who don't have access to uh, technology base uh, and and also it's not only true of Afghanistan in many places I would say you know um, where I'm not, I'm not sure I can say third world country because, like you know, there are there are uh, financially challenged people in all countries, and I think uh, as we move forward, you know, with whatever we are doing, I think that's something that you know we all should remember, keep in our mind, and then make sure that our program, when we are doing these programs online, we are actually not depriving people. Um, by you know not taking them in because they don't have access to the, the to technology, and then now for me and my team in Afghanistan, the challenge is really trying to figure out uh, if we are going to do most of the things online. How do we reach out to all these teachers who don't have access to internet to technology, and then. The other thing is also the age comes into play, right? We have older teachers, you know, um, who are not really technologically savvy, you know, and that becomes a challenge for them as well. Like, you know, when we are having a training, them being unable to mute, you know, uh, or unmute themselves. uh, And sometimes uh, even the, you know, when they switch on and off their videos. So, these are some of the things that um, I feel that we should keep in mind when, as we move forward. Do you think one potential solution would be to adopt a train-the-trainer model where you could train local trainers who would then in turn travel to some of these more remote uh, villages where they might not have access to technology and internet and they could do in-person trainings and then that way um, the program wouldn't be as reliant on technology. Um, yes, that that is a way to go forward. But then again, Sharif, what I say, especially in Afghanistan, if mm-hmm. I'm not going to travel to that place as a trainer, or if one of my team members are unable to travel to that place because of security situation, I don't think we should send other people and put their life in jeopardy. Because right now we are not only talking about, you know, um, COVID, we are also talking about security concerns in Afghanistan. You know, there are places, uh, even on the roads, it's not safe, you know. So if if 
me or one of my team members in Afghanistan, if we are unable to travel to that particular place, I think it, it's not fair to, you know, send uh, other uh, teachers because for us, I think sometimes, you know, we have that tendency to forget who we are doing this for. Like right. It's for the students and teachers of Afghanistan and their safety is a huge concern for us. And then we, even in organization, you know, that, that's a huge thing that we need. We constantly think about how to make it safer for um, people uh, that we are working for, I, I should say. So what is the nature of the drug use problem in Afghanistan? How would you characterize it? Um, what is the major uh, drug of choice there? Opium. Afghanistan is the biggest producer of illicit uh, opium. So it's it's everywhere, you know. Um, and I think, um, you know, there are differing uh, reports. Uh, you know, you look at one report, you see something, you look at the other report, you, you see another thing. But then I think it's safe to say that, like, you know, about one million um, Afghan men between the ages of 15 to 64, I think they have, like, dependency issue, dependency problem on drugs. We're not talking about just drug use. Uh, and then we also have to think about how many of them have access to the to the um, treatment services uh, in, in the country. Um, and also, I think, um, you know, one of the problems, one of the things that I found fascinating when I started working in Afghanistan on this project is that how they use opium to babysit children. I've heard about that. Yeah, babysitting I mean, it's usually like parents working in the opium fields and then, you know, they they need, they don't have anyone to look after their children and then they just feed uh, opium to their children. And I think that that I think was a huge issue back then. I'm not sure about now, like how rampant it is, because like there are so many organizations working with uh, people, you know, um, in Afghanistan, even in terms of like finding alternative livelihood or alternative crops to cultivate. Um, But it is a problem, I would say, like, you know, especially for young children because they have like uh, exposure, right? Their parents work in the field, they come back and then, you know, the parents have like their clothes from their hands, you know, the kids are exposed to uh, opium. What do you think the future holds for the Colombo Plan's work in Afghanistan, and more importantly for the people of Afghanistan moving forward um, now that it's looking like it's looking increasingly likely that the Taliban will be playing a greater role in the governance of the country. For me, my concern is really the, the school children, the teachers we work and also the young people that we work with. Um, I've been going to Afghanistan since uh, 2010. And then, you know, I have seen this gradual shift. Just when I look at young people in Afghanistan, I feel like, you know, they have become um, more um, open, if 
if, if that's the worst word that I can use, because you see that, you know, they're open to having dialogues even among the young people that we work with. And then that, that makes me quite hopeful that, you know, this young people will grow up to be um, good leaders, you know, uh, well-educated, uh, open-minded leaders. But then when we put in the aspect of Taliban, of course, that, that becomes, um, that changes the whole game. We, we know what happened in the past. We know how everything works. So I'm not sure I can comment a lot on that, but um, I, that's, that's all I would say. But I'm quite hopeful for Afghanistan and for the Afghans because I worked with the younger generation. I see what they are capable of. I see their enthusiasm. I see how motivated they are. And I think um, the only thing that we can do for them is to... Uh, provide them with opportunities to improve themselves and improve their country as well. Thank you so much, Dechen, for sharing your time and your experience with us in Afghanistan. Uh, I wish you the best in all your future endeavors, and I look forward to catching up soon to see how the project has evolved. Thank you so much, Sharif. It was it's lovely talking to you, and then I'm sure you have to get back to work as well soon. Yes, indeed, and thanks again. That was Deechen Choden, Drug Advisory Program Officer with the Colombo Plan, discussing her experiences implementing the Universal Prevention Curriculum in Afghanistan.